Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. And I must say, it has been sort of this week that we've gone from warm weather to again into a little bit of a chill here. And at the garden center here, we're almost tempted to uh, the conversation in the back while we were working was, hey, is it time to bring out the shorts and start wearing the shorts? Because it was so warm earlier this week. But today, we're glad that we're bundled up because the weather outside is a little bit chilly. I think March is giving us that little bit of blast again before we see the beginning of April. But I have to say that the birds outside this week, their sounds are getting a little louder and the blend of the different voices are being heard. So I found a poem called A March Glee. Please listen. I hear the wild geese honking from out the misty night, a sound of moving armies on sweeping in their might. The river ice is drifting beneath their northward flight. I hear the bluebird plaintiff from out the morning sky or see his wings a twinkle that with the azure vie. No other bird are welcome, no prophetic cry. I hear the sparrows ditty, and near my study door, a simple sand, a simple song of gladness that winter days are soon over. My heart is singing with him. I love him more and more. I hear the starling fluting, his liquid, oh, Kali. I hear the downing drumming, his vernal reveille. From out the maple orchard, the nuthatch calls to me. Oh, spring is surely coming. Her couriers fill the air. Each morn are the new arrivals. Each night her ways prepare. I scent her fragrant garments. Her foot is on the stair. March is almost gone. And what a week it has been. It's been, you've probably heard uh, me talking about the production here that we have going on in the garden center. And it's amazing where we have some people that come in just for maybe three weeks ago, and you may have visited some of your garden centers that you like to go to and see the transition of how quickly the plants come from quick little starts up into plants. And yes, some are even showing early signs of these beautiful blooms that we all take a moment of and sort of go, look at this, is this beautiful? Or the colors and the combinations, it is truly inspiring. There has been a lot of people that have also been uh, getting in touch with us in regards to some plant issues that they're having. Some of their cedars are uh, getting very, very brown. Yes, we could talk about that. And I'm also getting some beautiful photos of some, actually the regalia of some blossoms of some trees from a lot of visitors that are down south. The regalia of dogwood blooms are just gorgeous. So I love the shares that you give to us and I love the conversation that we have. But there's a lot of things that we should start talking about. And have you started planting your seedlings? Because there's a lot of things that we can do. And in our uh, aspect of it, we're always on guard 
once we've started our seeds of how to make sure that we have success with these. So if you need some tips, give me a call, 1-800-374-3315. The lines are open. I, I will say, I just made a note to myself, say it slower, 1-800-374-3315. I have a tendency to talk very fast, I'm sorry, but let's go back. If you're starting your seeding, uh, some people may have a portion of it where they uh, need help with how do I prevent dampening off? And this is where your seedling comes up. It looks really great. It's in its first uh, leaf set, which is baby, uh, in our terminology, not the first set of true leaves. It is the cotyledon leaves that usually will fall off once the their original or true looking leaves start to develop. So a few little tips for preventing dampening off is make sure that your site is and your containers and your pots are started off in a really clean matter. I always find that bottom watering, uh, if you're using trays that have the holes with the drainage underneath, if you have saucers that you can set them into or large uh, trays that hold water, let them wick up that moisture from the bottom so that the stemming is not getting overwatered that's on it. And on that same conversation, if you're allowing them to sit in water for a time frame, don't let them sit too long. You, you can basically tell by the uh, touch of the soil if you get that added moisture that wicks up into it. Now, the soil that you begin with, if you're just starting to do some seeding, your soil choice is important too as well. Seeding blend mixes are perfect for it because they're light enough for root development, but they also allow for perfect drainage, which part and parcel, we allow the moisture to go into the soil, but you also have to have a time frame to allow the air pockets in that soil to dry out. So it allows the elongation of the roots. It allows the roots to breathe because we know that our plants need air on top, but yes, once the rain and all that moisture in our ground goes away, those pockets have that once held moisture now gives air to those rooting, which is ever so important that's on it. Uh, sometimes too, if you're working with soil, I know everyone's garage has been full and probably packed high with snow around it, but always start with warm soil. Let it warm up. Let it go to room temperature. This is very important too as well because cold, damp soil, sometimes in nature, yes, but in a house where you don't have uh, air movement and your humidity may be a little higher, it's always better to start off indoors with a little bit of a warmer soil. So give it time. And when we're talking about time that's on there as well, uh, I always like circulation of air. Okay, I'm giving you lots of information on this because I know you're starting your seeding and this is important. So if you can allow for an extra fan to go in there and breeze over it, that allows the plants or the seedlings to come up and allow the soil to dry out in between. It will also allow proper ventilation across the whole thing. And just imagine, once your seedlings are up and growing, that extra added breeze gives you a little bit of strength to those seedlings, right? The wind gives it that nice little action that's on it that says to the seedling, I have to create a nice strong stem. Just think about that, all right? 
What are you doing to prepare your garden? I know it's hard to sort of think about the garden with so much snow on the ground, but I have to say, yes, each week as I speak to you, I look outside and I see a little bit more over top of the hill of white that's around us. But we envision what's happening that's out there in our gardens. Just think of all those seedlings that are resting underneath in the garden or all those roots that are staying nicely locked into that icy little earth just waiting to break forth. They are going to give us the biggest show ever because the moisture is going back in the ground. One more tip that I would probably say, uh, which I was remiss in before when you're trying to prevent dampening off on some of your plants, uh, I should mention that when you're seeding, try not to overseed too too many seeds in one little spot. It's nice to sort of do um, massive seeding that's on there, but I find that as they start to emerge, being too close together is not usually the best thing. So sometimes you'll be able to find cells where you can give maybe three or four seeds in one little spot. Then give yourself a break or a space or do it in a different location of a larger cell so that then individually. And the purpose of putting three or four seeds in one little cell when you're doing it is it gives you the survival rate. We do it here too at the garden center. We don't just put maybe one or two. We put one or two just in case there is that oopsie, we lost one. But we hope that we don't. All right, so those are good little tips for you. Now, when we're flipping over, oh, I should mention, the lines are open. 1-800-374-3315 if you want to give me a shout. Now, for the last couple weeks, I've been sort of giving the hint as to transplanting your tropicals. So if you're not seeding, let's get our hand in the soil and look after those tropicals. We know that we have uh, daylight hours are climbing. So there is a take action mode to be able to do those tropical plants. But before we do, I have a caller in the line, so we're going to go right to them. Adrian is on the line. Hi, Adrian. Yes, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Just a minute. I have to turn down my radio. Uh, question I have today is uh, my tomatoes are already up that I've seeded. Uh, what's the best fertilizer to feed uh, to feed them? Okay, so are you growing in a grow mix right now, or are you? Um... I've, I've already transplanted them from soilless soil to potting garden soil. Okay, uh, I would probably hold off just a little bit unless you're seeing that they're really actively growing, because in most potting blended mixes. There are generally um, fertilizers already active in the potting blended mixes for probably, you know, the next uh, five, six weeks that's in there. So if you over-fertilize in a younger state, you're just going to really push things. Where I'd say uh, check your bag first to see if there is that extra additive fertilizer already in it. Okay? Uh, If there is, you could probably hold off on doing... Uh, more of a liquid uh, fertilizer for that. So what what uh, strength? What's, well, what, what strength, strength of fertilizer at a later date? What strength of fertilizer on the late, for your tomatoes? Yeah. Okay, if it's in a container, you can use 20-20-20, uh, or you can flip over and you can do, uh, like there's a tomato feed that you can do that's probably 12, 15, 28, somewhere around there. Okay, okay 12, 16, 28. 
Okay. Yeah. And um, there's also some uh, fertile. I like when you start to put it into the ground, uh, too. Uh, there is something that I, I found that was really good that we started carrying a couple of years ago that I really like is we used to be able to get turkey trot and uh, that's been limited lately but the one thing that I really, really like is there's a new product that I um, especially like it's called Actisol and it's got hen manures in it and they really target in for uh, tomatoes and vegetables at that so if you can, you know once they're gardening and growing, and of course we have to put chocka tomatoes, right? The calcium additive that you can do for when you're planting into the garden outside, that's also beneficial. Okay, but what was that uh, product called? Axiom? Actisol. A-X. A-T-C-I-S-O-L. S-O-L, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a hen fertilizer. It's hen manure. It's like turkey trot. Oh, okay. Yeah, like certain kind of fertilizers come from nature, right? (laughs) Right, okay. (laughs) Okay, because, uh, yeah, these, uh, it's, well, it's Miracle Grow potting soil that I basically planted it in. Yeah, yeah. And usually in the first little mixes and even with it, they give, uh, they put extra additives in those products just so that there is that added little boost that's on it. So, yeah. Yeah, they're likely already three inches tall. So. Oh wow! And are you supplementing some light light so that you keep them from stretching and that the nodes are nice and tight? <laughs> uh, I have a southwest sunroom. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah. As much light as you can on it because it will uh, keep the branching like this. The um, we call it the node space between the leaf sets. Mm-hmm. You want to keep that as short as possible that's on there, and that's with the added light that's on there? And I do add a fan at a later date, too. So Perfect. You're yeah. doing everything good. You're doing everything oh, good. Oh, I've done this for years, but I was just oh. wondering about the fertilizer. <laughs> yes. yes. I just, you know and then I just planted another 54 yesterday. So yeah. 54 tomatoes? Uh, yeah, to give away. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. a beautiful gift. Yep. <laughs> Beautiful gift. And what kind of tomatoes are you uh, are they? Do you know? Oh, I have I have numerous varieties. I have everything from celebrity to bobcat to cobra to beef, uh, big beef. I think it is. Or I have a couple little ones called Juliet and Sweet Million, and uh, New Girl. I have some early, some you know. Big, delicious is another variety that I enjoy. Yeah. Oh, very nice. And a couple of my favorites too. Um, yellow pear. If you, have you ever grown yellow pear? Uh, yeah, they're low acid, right? Yeah, low, the yes, because when you start venturing into tomatoes that have a more of the orange or yellow tones, you get into the low acid. But the one thing I like about little yellow pears is uh, they look like baby little yellow pears. And they pair beautifully with cherry tomatoes. That's oh, pear. yellow. Okay, yellow, yellow pear. Yellow pear. Oh, yeah. yes. Yellow I have, pear I have, tomato. Yes, I have grown those. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. If but I gave the, they're not as sweet as some of the other varieties that no. I enjoy. No, no, they're not as sweet. But all I have to say is if you grow one yellow pear, you will have millions <laughs> of, of tomatoes. That's yes. It. So. All right. Well, have okay. fun with growing all those tomatoes. Okay, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Bye-bye.
Bye-bye. Thank you for calling. And it is especially, I should say that um, this kind of brings a little chuckle to me because we're back into talking about tomatoes. And the vegetable, uh, there are a lot of um, societies that are in with gardening. And I should mention, this kind of brings it up to mind of what there is. But um, there's different types of, like the perennials of the year, or the gardens of the year, um, you know, the tropical of the year. So if we were to sort of say these societies within the gardening worlds always promote one characteristic or one plant in their category for that umpa of the year. And the vegetable of the year, uh, I actually went to different sites, and the vegetable of the year for 2022 is guess what? The tomato. So there's a celebration of that. And I also have to say um, that 2022 is a beautiful year within Canada's horticulture because it is the centennial celebration of Canada's horticulture for 2022. It's the, if I can say this right, the commemoration of Canada's um, heritage into gardening. So what a celebration this will be, and I can just envision the communities that will uh, get together and make beautiful blooms in gardens. And the celebration of gardening, it's our history. I've got deep roots in agriculture too, from my mom's family, uh, being out in Saskatchewan, gardeners uh, galore when they were working in their gardens. My mom tells me stories of working in the garden and the farming industry. So it is a huge huge celebration 100 years of celebration for canada in their horticulture sector so i give everyone a salute but on the aspect of the plants it's always the plant of the year that's in there so uh it is the year of salad greens it is the year of flocks it is the year of the lilac it is the year of verbena it is the year of gladiolus and if you enter into the tropical world it is the year of the peperomia. Who would know? That's part and parcel of it. So there are some plants too. And when we're also talk, talking about the year as gardening, we also look and we turn to the color palettes. And there's so much conversation, conversation about gardening that there's also colors that pull in that we see for gardening. And this year, um, there's also the Pantone color. And I think if I get it right, uh, it's kind of a bluey color that's in there. I think, uh, if I remember, I think it's called Very Perry. It's kind of that blue azure color, which is beautiful. Now, blue may be a little bit harder color in the garden. So you may be sourcing out at your favorite haunt of a garden center to see what is happening in the blue color palette. There's one that brings to mind for me uh, that's in there is uh, a plant called Evolvulus Beach Bum. And yeah, it's got that laid back kind of feeling that's to it, but it is definitely a blue. So you never know. We're going to be venturing into our garden centers, taking a look around at all the gardening plants of the year, creating beautiful blooms and fruits and vegetables. And don't forget the tomato. We'll be uh, growing those too as well. I cannot believe that we are already March 23rd and the season is just going through. And we have this blast of cold again. 
I think it's uh, winter saying, hey, I'm going to give you one last chance outside in this cold weather. Yeah, I don't know what the last chance would be, but I'm thinking spring. And every time that we go through it, I think about all that moisture that's going in the ground. We've had a drought for almost two years now. The farmer's going to love it. But on the other side of it, I truly wish for a low, slow thaw because we do not want the flooding aspect of it. We want that nice moisture to drain back into the resources of our ground and give our groundwater a nice, healthy reservoir that's beneath. Now, we talked and we had a little bit of a tease about transplanting our tropicals. Because as we know, small plants get big and big plants get bigger. Now, there's a few rules of thumb that I like to sort of mention to you because this is the time before they actively get sort of really growing, is this is the time that you can tickle your fingers in the soil and see what's happening. This is where you can have a close inspection to see A, what's doing good, what needs assistance, and what can I do to increase uh, my plant? Not necessarily the size of the pot, we could talk about that if you want, but there's a certain aspect that the plants, tropical plants, they like to be pot bound, but only for so long. Okay, we're starting that. Oh, we have a caller. We're going to go right to the lines. Eva's waiting. Hi, Eva. Good morning. How are you? I'm very good. Hey, I forgot to ask Adriana where she was from. I'm going to ask you, where are you calling from? Around Altona. Around Altona. And what is the weather like out there today? Oh, that, that north wind is cold. You know what? I was I was just uh, telling Sasha here that's uh, working with me today that I actually put my down jacket back on because it was a little cold this morning. Yeah, well, you, well, you know, um, March isn't over yet, and they always spring. April does what it wants too. You know what? That is so true. They usually say in like a lion and out like a lamb. So I don't know. I think we have two lions happening right now. <laughs> well, you know, everything goes according to what the Almighty plans for us. You know what? We will take it. It only makes us stronger, right? Yeah. Uh, do, do you know that like, you're very quiet over the radio this morning? Oh, am I? Yes, you're very quiet. I have okay. to turn my radio up very loud to hear you. Oh, Okay, maybe I'll get Sasha to, uh, yeah, Sasha is just giving me the thumbs up that she's going to turn it up a little bit, so thank you for the feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. yes, How- uh, last week I got in, uh, in too late, and there was a lady, she asked about potato bugs. There's a, there's a very good r- r- remedy for that. Oh, I'd love to hear it. When she plants her potatoes, uh, that's what we do. We we uh, we save all of our eggshells. We let them dry very well. I crush them all into each po- uh, hole. I put in a ha- handful of eggshells, and and then you plant your potatoes. You put your dirt on. Well, you know what? That's almost the same aspect as diatomaceous earth because it has that powdery, sharp residual that crawly bugs do not like. And also. Uh, the onions, you know that that dry part around an onion. Yeah. I also keep all of that through all the winter. I crush it up. They always crush up so nicely, and that helps too. And oh, both I... and both of them, the eggshells or the onions, the, uh, uh, I, it's not exactly the skin, but you know it's the outside of the onions. Both of them, they also help to put in your tomato 
holes when you plant your tomato that the tomatoes don't get blight. Oh, you're talking about the brownish paper, like the outer yeah. paper mm-hmm. that's in there. Yeah. You know what? It makes sense because if if it's the outer cell, there may be a property or even a, a scent because sometimes uh, we know that garlic acts as sometimes deterrence to animals too as well. Yeah. So that is beautiful little uh, hints for us. And hopefully some of our listeners could take clue to that and start saving eggshells. Yeah, and, and you know another thing? Uh, we had this, like we've been living now in Altona for 12 years. We had these potatoes on the farm already too. They do not get any bugs. You know, uh, we see one or two potato bugs one day, let's say, like in the evening when we go and check. Then the next morning when we come out, they're gone. They do not like the taste of that green, those green leaves. Oh. Our potatoes don't have any bugs at all. And then we can even, like we have a community garden here in Altona, even our, the next uh, person that has our garden right next up to us, they have their rows of potatoes close to us. The potatoes have eaten all of their, all of their greens they are standing, stark, uh, all taken off of, and ours are nice and green and they can't figure it out. <laughs> well, you know, I, think uh, I would be following your your uh, advice and doing another test row on theirs to see if we can eradicate it. <laughs> okay, I thought I'd just give you this information. Well, thank you so much for taking the time for calling in, Eva. Okay, you have a blessed day. You too, and thank you for calling us on the Lana Garden Journal today. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. You know what? That is a testament right there as to a success story. So why not give it a try? Crush up those eggshells and keep the paper residuals that come off of your onions because you're only adding organic property again back to the garden, which is a win-win. All right, we're going to go right back to lines. We have Nadia's online. Hi, Nadia. Hi. Hi, where are you calling from this morning? Dolphin. Oh, wow. Hello. What's it like up there? Pardon? What is the weather like up there? Oh, it's sunny. Uh, chilly. Yeah, well, it's sunny here, uh, too, but you can. it's a windy day, too, as well. And uh, at least the sunshine is up, and that makes it all the better. How can we help you on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Uh, I was wondering, what kind of fertilizer can a person use uh, for the garden. For the fertilizer for the garden? Yeah. Well, if you're wanting to do a liquid fertilizer, you can do 15, 30, 50, or sorry, um, 15, 30, 15, if you're wanting to do for uh, your flowers that's in there. Like uh, no, veggies. Oh, for vegetables? Yeah. Okay. So if you're using your vegetables, there's a lot of uh, properties that you can do. Like there's um, a, a shaken feed fertilizer that you can use. I think Miracle Grow uses it too as well. It's like an 18, 18, 21 around that ratio that you're looking at it. And uh, I would also supplement by putting in, uh, I think you may have heard me, I like using natural things. So this Actosol, which is like a turkey trot. I like putting some of that in there too as well. There's one that's targeted for uh, vegetables as well as roses that's on it. So you can use that as well. And good old... Could you repeat? Uh, Actisol? Sorry, called... I was going to say, could you repeat? Because I can barely hear you when you're 
seeing the the fertilizer numbers or whatever, what kind. Oh, there is a miracle Grow one. If you're wanting yeah. to use a miracle Grow, they have uh, there's one called a shake and feed that you can put in there. Um, there's also another one that's a, a ratio of 10, 5, 15, if you're wanting to use it for a general uh, fertilizer. Uh-huh. Some people will also, if they're doing their fruits and vegetables or if they're using uh, flowers in there too as well, there's different ratios of them. You know, if you're doing your flowers too and you're using 15, 30, 15 and you accidentally get them on your vegetables, it's not going to be hard for that. But I like using a little bit of natural, uh, I like putting natural compost in. I like using uh, Actisol, uh, which has a hen fertilizer that's in there. So both of those would be supplemental for putting into the garden. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. Okay, that's wonderful. Thank you I for haven't. Call- okay, thank yes. you for calling us. Okay, thank you for giving me the information. I always listen to your show every Saturday mornings. Oh, well, thank you very much, Nadia. Uh-huh. You, take, you take care and you enjoy your weekend, okay? Yeah, you too. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. There is so much conversation that's on there, and I know as we're talking about fertilizers and going through always that natural aspect. Um, if you are working on doing composting, have you do you uh, store or save or have a composting that you do composting all winter? That is actually bounty and rich that you can put into it. Uh, some people will go into uh, different types of aspects of adding earthworm castings. Uh, bone meal is a good additive too as well that's in it. And even venturing into areas where using natural sea kelp. That is all part and parcel of things that you can put into uh, the composition of growing some of your plants. So, and even when we're going into doing uh, some of the houseplant aspect, it reminds me uh, when the kids were younger and we had a fish tank, uh, it was kind of my, I think my son thought it was kind of gooey. But I used to take some of the fish tank water to water some of my houseplants with too as well. And the houseplants loved it. Absolutely loved it. There's something about that. It's all about natural that's in there. All right, we're going to go right back to lines. Judy's waiting online. Hi, Judy. Hello. Hello. Hi, Judy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How can we help you? First of all, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Brandon. Oh, well, hello, Brandon. I have family out there. It's a great little city. Um, I have aloe vera that are getting very large. And as they grow, they, you know, sort of flop over the side of the plant and then they're laying on the windowsill. But there are other little offshoots from it along the sides. And I'm wondering, how do we transplant them? For most things, you know, like coleus, I'll stick it in water and grow roots. But... I don't know what to do with the aloe vera. Okay. Well, with the aloe vera, if um, those are actually called, in our world, we call them pups. Those are like the little side shoots that come out the, the side area that's on there. Right. So what you could probably do is uh, if you can remove some of those from the side and 
uh, I always like to lay them on a toweling or something and let them, because if, if you break them off, sometimes you get the milky res residual or sometimes um, with aloe vera, it's almost like that um, gelish type of substance that's on it. So I always like that to callus off a little bit. And the terminology, if I say callus, it allows that break to sort of dry off a little bit before we uh, put it into a uh, new media to grow. So it's just like doing cacti, if you want to do that with a cactus or with your Christmas cactuses as well. Now, once it is dried off a little bit, you can use a little bit of a rooting horm hor hormone and putting it onto that uh, bottom edge of it and then gently putting it and placing it into the soil to cause it to uh, start rooting. Okay? Okay. Now, I also have this, this great big long part that's fallen over with its big long stem on it. Can I salvage it as well by say, cutting it off closer to where the leaves are and letting it dry and, and doing the same thing with it? You, you could try. It's worth, it's worth because as you, it's probably, if I kind of say the vision where it's a longer stem and the, have the lower leaves fallen and so you have a big stalk yeah. that's on it, you can probably try doing the same thing with it. There's more risk of cutting that and opening because the the wound opening is going to be larger so you'll have to allow it to dry a little longer before you stick it in the soil like overnight yeah overnight you'll tell because you'll be able to see, it's almost like um i hate to say it, but if i cut myself and it's kind of gooey or if i sort of s scrape my skin it's kind of still uh sore but after about a day it has a sort of a, li a little bit of a light scab on top of it you want mm -hmm. to make sure that it has a light scab over top of it. Okay. Okay? So I always say it's worth the try to see what there is. You will have There's some... lots of them to work with, so we yes. won't be out too many. Yeah, you'll, you'll have some, you'll have some uh, losses, but I think the successes that you do have will outweigh the losses. Okay, thank you. Okay, okay you're very welcome. Enjoy your weekend. This is one of those things that is part of that tropical care that's on there. Now, let's get a couple tips in because I know that Sasha's going to say we're going to be getting close to the end of the show. But when we're doing our transplanting, uh, indicators, roots on the top surface, binding and going around the top, or if you see roots on the bottom that's on there. If you are upsizing on your size of your container, always make sure that you have proper drainage holes that's in there. And as you lift your tropical out of its existing pot, and sometimes it's a little difficult because we've seen some plots that uh, come up that where we grow stuff from Florida and we bring it up. Sometimes the pots are in there, they come a little bit misshapen. So if they're misshapen, if it's an older plastic pot, you may have to pull out the old exacto blade and cut it out of that older pot. But remember to loosen up the roots. It's just like our transplanting of our annuals. If we take it from one cell and we're getting it nestled into the ground for this year's growth, I call it give it a bad hair day. Take the outside of that uh, plant pot because it's going to be shaped just like a pot and roughen up the outsides of the roots. It allows those fine, softer roots to radiate outward 
and when you plant it with new fresh soil around the outside of it, they are going to take hold. They're going to grab that new earth and say, ah, this feels so good. I can grow. I can move. I've got space to breathe again. So that is good. The pot size that you take it from is also important because we know tropicals will give us this big, lush, huge canopy above and may only be supported by maybe an eight inch pot. So if it's three times wider than what it is in that eight inch pot, don't go three times larger on the size of the pot. It loved it in that smaller pot because it was nestled perfectly. It was not oversized on proportion to soil. So rule of thumb, go an inch or two larger only on the size of your pot when you're upsizing. Okay? It's also a perfect time that when you're transplanting, before you take it out of the old pot to put it into the new pot, put a plastic bag around the pot, take it into the shower, give it an early spring shower, dust off, get the, uh, that nice showering, will give it a really good dust off, it'll wash off the leaves. If you have one of those taps that the, the handle comes off the wall and you can spray the undersides of the leaves, that plant will love you even more. These are quick little tips for transplanting your houseplants. You're all going to go take a look at them and see what needs to be done this weekend. And you'll let me know. Thank you for listening, everyone. And if I say a quick little poem on the out, never mind, March. Never mind, March, we know. When you blow, you're not really mad or angry or bad. You're only blowing the winter away to get the world ready for April and May. We'll be back next Saturday on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.